Let's start the show. You already know who it is. My name is Mike Kyle, aka the Fantasy Vulture. I have over a decade worth of fantasy football experience and have continuously competed for fantasy championships over the course of the past six seasons. But let's make it seven in 2020. Enough of me. I'm here for you. On today's episode of the FB Show, we are continuing our All 32 NFL Team Preview Series where we take a look at every NFL team through the lens of fantasy football. Today, we wrap up the NFC East with the Philadelphia Eagles. And then tomorrow, starting tomorrow, we enter the home stretch, the Final Four with the AFC West. But before we get started with the preview of the City of Brotherly Love, few quick things from you. First off, show me some brotherly love by smashing that subscribe button. Power running back style. Derrick Henry style up the middle. Hit that A gap and take it to the house. And also hit that like button like an open receiver downfield. Patrick Mahomes style. And last but not least, you can shoot me a text. 330-302-1554. My source for my one-on-one fantasy advice for you this season. But you can also follow me on social media. Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok for more broad scope. a broad scope version of the advice that I can give you. And what I mean by that is if we use this texting platform the right way, I can help you out week by week, day by day. If you have a trade offer that you want to discuss with me individually, uh, if you're going through the if you're going through your pre-draft process and you're trying to de- and you're trying to decide who you should take in the second round, we can talk it out there and hash out some ideas. My hair, I don't know what's going on right now, but it's fine. It's fine. No, that's actually worse. What's going on here? All right, we're going to keep going. Regardless, hit me up on those platforms. Oh, this is going to drive me crazy. It's fine. Where are we at? We okay? We okay? Oh, what a start to the show. All right, we're fine. We're going to keep rolling. So shoot me either a text or follow me on social media platforms. And, of course, the website is ffvulture.com. I've got enough talking beforehand. Let's jump into the content that you want to see instead of my luscious hair right now. We're going to talk about the Philadelphia Eagles and starting off at the quarterback position with Carson Wentz, who, to be quite honest, is one of my favorite quarterbacks this season. In 2019, Carson Wentz finished as quarterback nine overall. He had eight games as a quarterback one, eight games as a QB two. He did not have a game outside of the top 24. He had 607 attempts, 338 completions, over 4,000 yards passing, uh, 243 rushing yards, 28 touchdowns, and 7 interceptions. And he did this with a terrible wide receiver core last season. Alshon Jeffrey was in and out of the lineup battling an injury. Deshaun Jackson was out for the early, or was, Deshaun Jackson uh, hurt his, or I believe it it was a core muscle injury. I want to say it was like his ab muscle. Uh, he had an ab injury, and that forced him out for the entire way. Zach Ertz is obviously still great. He was very consistent last season. But for the most part, this team was just a revolving door of wide receivers, and it's been this way for a while. But despite that, Wentz still had an incredible season. He averaged 17.6 points per game. Like I said, he played all 16 games. And his new finish is quarterback 13, so he does take that dip outside of the tw- out of the top 12. But he was still very, very solid for fantasy purposes last season. His ADP this year is quarterback 10 going in the 8th round. Ivan ranked as quarterback 11. Um, I do think it's important to note because I've noted this with Russell Wilson and I feel bad if I note it with any other quarterbacks because, you know, treat players fairly as to, as to what they did. Carson Wentz did kind of have that, uh, that Russell Wilson effect to where, yes, he had a, he, where, to where, yes, he did have games 
uh, inside the top 12 and, and those QB1 performances, but he also did have those fair share games outside of those outside of the top 12. And those games were very Russell Wilson-esque. 18, 18, 18, 19, 21, 23. However, he did have two games at 14. So, he, like, he did have two. But that's the thing, right? Only 25% of his games were pretty much it. Of his 25% of his QB2 games were inside of the top 15. The other 80% were past that. And so, that's not great. But the thing that I really want to hammer home, though, is the weapons that Carson Wentz was playing with compared to Russell Wilson. I mean, it's literally oil and water. Um, when you're looking at Seattle, it's Tyler Lockett, it's DK Metcalf. These are players that we know. These are fantasy studs. And when you look at Carson Wentz, he was throwing to Greg Ward, J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, just to name two guys off the top of my head. It was not great in Philadelphia. He did not have a consistent target. Uh, yes, even though Alshon Jeffrey did play in 10 games, he was limited throughout the majority of those. So much so that they actually did force him out towards the end of the season. It really just wasn't a good situation for the pass catchers in Philadelphia. And as a and as a result, Wentz just had to make do with what he had, and he still put up great numbers for you. I've actually done two mock drafts on the channel so far. If you want to check those out, you can find those. Um, and I believe I took Wentz in both of those. And the reason why I'm going to take Wentz in both of those is, one, just that draft cost. I'm getting him, I'm getting him at quarterback 10. Which admittedly might be a little bit too early if that's his, if that's his current ADP and I do have him at, and I do have him at 11, but I genuinely do think that the upside for Carson Wentz is a top five quarterback. What I want to do right now, actually, is I'm gonna pull up where his fantasy finishes were uh, during the course of his career so far. So let's do this. We're gonna do some live uh, some live research. I love doing this live stuff because again, I talked about this a little bit previously. I like getting to see. Uh, my reactions as to the results and stuff that I find. So let's see. We're going to go to 2018. Let's see. So Wentz played 11 games. Uh, he finished his quarterback 23, but we're going to pace this out for the full season. Once again, going through the adjusted score. I've talked about how I come up with adjusted score in our video. So that is also on the channel. To me, it's my favorite stat that I use every single year. So let's see. Carson Wentz on 11 games played. He averaged 17.5 times 11, 192, wait, hang on, wait, 17.5 times 16, there we go, 280. So Wentz would have finished as quarterback, let's see, quarterback 14 in 2018, had he played a full season. Let's see, in 2017. In 2017, on 13 games, he averaged 21.8, he finished that year. Missing those three games as quarterback five on a full 16 games. He's going to finish as the quarterback one beating out Russell Wilson. And then 2016. Let's see. In 2016, was he a rookie that year? He, I believe that was his rookie season. It was 2015 his rookie season. Uh, he played a full 16 games and he was QB 24. So I do believe that, he, that 2016 was his rookie season, but I want to double check that just to make sure. But my point is, is like that, like that, I feel like this fits to what I'm saying, right? Carson Wentz has top five upside and he hasn't had the ability to get there because he, he's either been injured or just he hasn't had the weapons to get him there. This year, this this receiving court is revamped. They've brought in a lot of new guys, a lot of new faces, some playmakers. 
Uh, Ertz is healthy. Jalen Rager, who we're going to talk about. Miles Sanders out of the backfield is going to get a lot of receiving work. And all of these things are really are really just going to boost the floor of Carson Wentz. When Carson, it feels like whenever Carson Wentz is on the field, he puts up fantasy points for you, right? Like this is just a fact. So you're getting him kind of discounted to where I think he should be going. And that's why I'm really interested in him. And one of the things that I've been saying is you take the guy that you want if you're waiting on a quarterback. I've talked about Matt Stafford, Gardner Minshew. Uh, we're, going to, we're going to talk about Drew Locke in a future video. Teddy Bridgewater is another guy I like. Um, and granted, all those guys are probably in a separate tier. But if you are waiting on a quarterback and you're, and you're willing to pull the trigger just a little bit early, um, you're looking at Wentz, Brady, Rodgers, Newton, right? I like Wentz the most out of this next tier. I believe we'll probably call it the third tier. Let me pull up the current ADP in total for the quarterback position right now. Okay, so we're going to say that, all right, so the top tier we know for sure is Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes. So that's tier one. Tier two for me is Dak, Kyler, Russ, and Deshaun. Tier three is probably where Carson Wentz falls in line. That's Matt, that's Matt Ryan, Rodgers, Josh Allen, Breeze, Wentz, Brady. And then maybe Stafford. Stafford's kind of just on like that cusp for that next start in the tier. And he's probably there, honestly. So of that group, I do like Wentz. If, if, it depends. If we consider Stafford in that tier, Stafford's my favorite. But if we don't, the answer is Wentz. And that's just because I'm getting him late. And I think he actually has one of the highest upsides of that group. Because of not only his mobility as well, but because of the fact that I know he's going to throw the ball 550 times this season. And this receiving core is expected to take a step forward. But let's talk about a player who is expected to take a step forward in this season. Potentially have a breakout season. And that is Miles Sanders. Second year running back out of Penn State for the Eagles. In 2015, he finished as both the running back 15 in standard and in PPR. He had five games as a running back one two games as a running back two and three games as a running back three and he did that all all with the workload essentially of Alvin Kamara which when I say that you're gonna be like oh wait Alvin Kamara usually finishes within like the top five or so yes but he also had had 30 less receptions than Kamara but in terms of like total carries go he was pretty much at that number at that Kamara level uh, where he was splitting time with Jordan Howard during the early part of the season, and that's obviously going to limit. That's obviously going to limit what he does on the football field. So his 2019 stats, like I said, 179 carries, 50 receptions, 818 rushing yards, 500 receiving yards, and six touchdowns. So there were a few things here. First off, he just didn't get the opportunity. And secondly, he's already proved himself to be very, very good in the passing game. Some of the only other rookies to ever have 500 receiving yards at the running back position, I believe it's like Christian McCaffrey and Saquon Barkley. And it's it's Christian McCaffrey, Saquon Barkley, and I think, oh, I don't want to get this wrong. I don't want to get this wrong, but it's either Herschel Walker or Marshall Falk. And those two players are very different, but they are two Hall of Famers. Uh, so, you know. That's pretty good company, I'd say, all things considered. He had 12 uh, points per game on 16-game played. His new finish is running back 20. But I really want to talk about the second half of the season, and that was once Jordan Howard left the Eagles due to his injury. Miles Sanders, the final five weeks of the season from weeks, I don't know, yeah, from weeks 13 through 17, three games as a running back one. 
Like, that is spectacular. And that's really when we saw the breakout start to happen for Sanders. His current ADP is running back 10 going at 201. So, the first, so like, as soon as that turn happens, he's, go, he's being taken. I have him ranked as running back 9. I want to move him up. I'm, uh, I'm kind of starting to buy the hype of Miles Sanders. So, here, let's talk about the issue here with Sanders. The issue is that Doug Peterson traditionally has not used a workhorse running back, right? We've seen the Darren Sproles. We've seen the, oh God, I'm going to start blank on names. There have been so many. We've seen the Darren Sproles, the, oh no. Oh no, who have been these Eagles running backs? See, like, that's the thing, right? These Eagles running backs, they've been just doing this roulette wheel of them, but none of them have been relevant enough to actually matter. And that's the point. That's how bad the Eagles running back situation has been. But now we have a guy this talented who now gets the full opportunity because there is no one else behind him besides Boston Scott, who's currently getting some level of hype. I don't give a shit about Boston Scott. I only care about Miles Sanders in this backfield. So knowing that this is going to be the Miles Sanders show, the only question is, is can he maintain a bigger workload? Because in just the limited amount of work that we saw last year, he was able to do incredible things. If he gets the full opportunity, right, where does Miles Sanders land? If we give Miles Sanders 210 carries, let's just baseline it there, 210 carries, that's easily probably well over 1,000 rushing yards. If we, get, if we go up to 70 receptions, where does that put him? 800 receiving yards? Maybe, right? Maybe, uh, seven, 70 receptions. Let's see, where do I want to put that at? We'll say 750. 750 receiving yards, and then that touchdown number has to go up as well. And this offense, going back to Wentz, is going to be good, right? They are going to be able to move the ball. They are going to be able to score points this year. I have him, cons- I don't know if conservatively at nine is the right is the right word, but even though that I do say conservatively, like, there, I see the room, I see the room for him to finish higher, but I do also see the room for him to finish just a little bit lower, a little bit lower as well. Maybe we are just being a bit too ambitious. I don't know, but I will say this. If you get Miles Sanders, maybe not as your one, maybe you are picking on the turn. Maybe you are that 11th pick or so, and then you go Joe Mixon and then Miles Sanders. I think I'm more comfortable with Miles, with Miles Sanders as my number two than my number one. And that's just simply just because if anything were to happen and we just missed the mark, on our projections for Sanders, then that, then it doesn't necessarily tank our running back position because we'll still have Joe Mixon, who will be a suitable starter week in and week out. We'll still be able to get the boom games from Miles Sanders and we'll be okay at that position. I don't think going Sanders early is going to hurt you by any means, but just kind of being able to, to prepare in case anything does happen uh, to Sanders and the projections that we set for him. All, all things considered, though, I am really excited to see what this running back does during his second year in the NFL. But now let's talk about the wide receiving core because they have a few guys. You know them. You may love them. You may hate them. I don't know. I'm going to start off with Alshon Jeffrey. Alshon Jeffrey last season played in 10 games. He averaged 10 points in those games, and his uh, he actually finished his new finish, I say, was wide receiver 39, but just normal. Normally, uh, he finished as wide receiver 59 in both foreign rats. He had two games as a wide receiver one, eight games as a wide receiver two. I'm eight games. Well, holy no, no, no. 
two games as wide receiver one, two games as wide receiver two, and one game as a wide receiver three. 73 targets, 93 catches, 490 yards, and five touchdowns. I'm going to say this, and I'm going to say this once. Alshon Jeffrey, when he is on the field, Alshon Jeffrey puts up fantasy points. It is just what he does. I'm going to read you the target numbers for Alshon Jeffrey during his limited work uh, last season. Okay, so remember he did he did miss six games, but regardless of that, seven targets, nine targets, eight targets, twelve targets, five, six, eight, sixteen, two, and that two is when he got injured and they just kind of pulled him for the rest of the year. So when Alshon Jeffrey is on the field, Alshon Jeffrey is great. However. However, we do know he does have the tendency to get banged up. He's currently on the PUP list, and there is a lot of concern about when he is going to uh, about when he is going to uh, make his debut this season. It all depends on when he gets pulled, um, because if he isn't on, if he, because if he is still on the PUP list by September fifth, then he will have to miss the first six weeks of the season. So this is why drafting late helps because if you are able to get Alshon Jeffrey and you know for a fact that he's off that PUP list, he's going to skyrocket up my rankings. I have him ranked as wide receiver 57 because I do expect him to miss the first six games on that list. He's currently being uh, drafted at the wide receiver 56, so I'm, we're kind of right on line with ADP there going in the 12th round. Here's the thing I'm going to say before we, before we go to the next wide receiver here. If Alshon Jeffrey is on the PUP list to start the year, I want to draft him with one of my last picks because especially try to say this if I have an IR spot in my league I want to draft Alshon Jeffrey with one of my last picks and the reason for that is I want to make use out of that out of that spot right now while nobody else is really injured per se because I know for a fact I will have a fantasy star is not the right word but a very consistent fantasy performer just chilling on my bench and the, that person kind of serves as my ace in the hole. So if I have to hit the red button during any point in the season, all right, let's bring in Alshon and then let's have him ball out during the second half of the season if he were to start off on the injured list. So I'm in on Alshon Jeffrey. He's great when he's on the field, even though you're looking at those weekly finishes now, right? I'm going to pull up his game log one more time because you're thinking because you're thinking this, right? Um, he only had five games inside the top 36, but he played 10 games, right? So that's not great. But here's what I'm going to tell you. He had uh, week two, 7% of snaps. That was when he got injured versus the Falcons. So that counts as a miss. So that counts as a game. And then he also played 22% of snaps week 14 before he got injured versus the Giants. So there's another game. So now we're only down to eight games. And so that's five out of eight games where he finished inside of the top 36, then that obviously looks a lot better, right? Um, and the other thing to note, too, is the adjusted score and the points per game. One of the things I've been saying a lot is consistency. How you score your points is more important than how many points you score. Um, I'm going to read you off some numbers here. 19.6 uh, points, 11.3, 18.6, 20.4, 8.2, 8 8.4. Those games are all are all either well above that average or all right around the average. So when he is on the field, he is extremely productive. And that's why I love Alshon Jeffrey. Like that's just like having 73 targets in eight games is absolutely insane. It is bananas. It is straight up bananas. 
So if you want a target monster and you want that, that red button that you can just break the glass and pull off your bench during the later half of the season, Alshon Jeffrey is your guy, and I really want him in all of my drafts that I have an IR spot on. And let's talk about another injured player last season for the Eagles, and that was Deshaun Jackson. Deshaun Jackson balled out in week one, but unfortunately he did get injured shortly thereafter, and now we have to uh, talk about 2018 because he missed pretty much all of 2019. So in 2018, he finished as wide receiver 32 in standard, 37 in PPR, two games as a wide receiver one, one game as a wide receiver two, three games as a wide receiver three, 74 targets, 91, ca- or 91, I cannot read, 74 targets, 41 catches, 774 yards, and five touchdowns. His adjusted score, uh, 10.9 points per game on 12 games played. His new finish would be wide receiver 32 in 2019. Currently, DJX's ADP is wide receiver 53 going in the 11th round in the back half of the 11th. I haven't ranked as wide receiver 50. It's as simple as Deshaun Jackson is always good. Deshaun Jackson is good for fantasy, but you never know when those games are going to come. And with that being said, how do you ever know when to start him? It's just kind of the question that you have to ask yourself, right? Because he is just this guy that is going to catch a 60-yard touchdown pass, but how confident are you in him on a week-to-week basis? Um, once again, just going through like those weekly finishes. Yes, those two games as a one are appealing, but you're not going to get those consistently. You're more often going to get those wide receiver three games or so, and anything maybe like a maybe like a wide receiver forty finish if it's just one of those weeks where he catches three passes for twelve yards. So uh, there is a lot of talk about Djax though. If Alshon misses time, and yes, I do see the argument for it. But I don't know how big of a bump that you give him because he like it's not like his role's going to change. He's still just going to be this guy that just takes the top off. And now Wentz does have the arm and the skills to get it to him, which is nice. But again, I just don't know what level of volume Deshaun Jackson is going to get. And that's just that's just my biggest concern. I own Djax in Dynasty, or at least I did. Uh, before this season, I did I dropped him towards the end of last season to make room for some rookies, um, and it's just one of those things where it was an unfortunate cut. I see the talent, I see the possibility, but you're playing weekly roulette, and that's not a game that I'm all too excited to play, uh, especially this season where things are, go- are going to be so chaotic. Well, again, I'm drafting for depth more than anything else this season. But let's talk about a rookie now who the Eagles brought in. This is this was not a surprising move. A lot of people were expecting the Eagles to bring in a wide receiver to boost that injured and lacking wide receiving core of last season. And who did they go out and get? They brought in Jalen Rager, wide receiver out of TCU. My player comparison for Rager is Stephon Diggs. I'll talk about that in just a moment. But let's talk about his 2019 stats. He had 93 targets, 43 catches, 611 yards, and 5 touchdowns. Hear me out, right? You're looking at that, and you're going to say, that is not great. And you are right. You are 100% right. Uh, Jalen Rager had a very down uh, season in college last year. But that was because of multiple things. First off, they brought in a true freshman quarterback. And if you know anything about true freshman quarterbacks, especially probably in the Big 12, yes, they are very talented, but also, woo-wee, they might see some ghosts from time to time. So he, like... 
If you watch Rager's tape, he was making plays where he literally had to climb the ladder, climb the step stool to catch balls, lay his body out on the line in order to, to grab a few balls. He was just all over the field, but despite that, he was still making plays. Um, but to touch back on his 2018 season, which I actually considered putting uh, in his 2019, uh, putting in his bio instead. But when I looked at how it paced it out, when I look at how it paced out, the numbers were actually almost identical, which I thought was really interesting. So in 2018, he had 133 targets, 72 receptions. Um, let's see, uh, over a thousand yards and nine touchdowns. So the touchdown number came down, and then the targets and the receptions. Everything, I mean, everything else is going to plummet naturally after that, anyway, right? Um, but let's talk about the measurables. He is five foot eleven. 206 he runs a 447 uh there were a lot of talk that he could challenge henry ruggs for the fastest player in the draft and even a lot of people were shocked to see his 40 time a lot of people were expecting him to run a, to run a 4-3 or so and he wasn't necessarily close to that but regardless ready is just a ridiculous athlete um this team is in desperate need of a new number one wide receiver because Alshon's getting older. They haven't had a lot of consistency from that position as far, uh, because of Alshon's uh, health. And so we're, this was a pick towards the future, right? Who's a guy that we can pair with Wentz to develop? And Wentz has already been raving about Jalen Rager, call it, comparing him to a few other star wide receivers. But I really like the Stephon Diggs comparison because when you watch the plays that Rager makes, they are very similar to uh, Diggs in the sense that there are just a lot of few deep balls or let's just go up and get it. Let's extend and break plays. Um, he really is just this big, strong wide receiver, um, but not in a traditional sense, right? We're not talking about um, a guy who we usually just consider like a who we're not talking about a guy who we usually consider like a big, tough wide receiver, like a. Uh, the first one that really popped into my head was DK Metcalf, and that's just because I was just talking to somebody about the Seattle Seahawks. But yeah, we're not talking about a we're not talking about a traditional number one like that. We're just talking to a guy who is just going to be this playmaking type player, whether that is you know catching a forty yard touchdown pass or going across the middle and extending their body to make a play. Um, one of the things that I was doing during my dynasty uh, preview. Uh, just throughout the pre-draft process, I really just started uh, taking taking a look at the wide receivers and breaking them up into tiers, right? Whether that was playmaker, speedster, uh, possession receiver, just trying to categorize how each one fits into the mold. And I believe I had Jalen Rager towards the, I think he was my number two playmaker behind, behind CeeDee Lamb. I'm going to pull that up just to make sure. Yeah, so it looks like that's what I had. Um, as far as the talent goes, it's definitely there. He is in a position to absolutely thrive in this offense. Um, and the reason for that is just because if this core is injured again, or if he just is so good that he passes everybody else on the on the team, on, on the depth chart, which is likely to happen, he could see instant fantasy value. There's a lot of talks about him being that number one option during his rookie season, and that would be incredible. So if you are willing to take your shot on a rookie, this season at the wide receiver position going late in drafts. Rager's probably your guy. His ADP is currently wide receiver 57 going uh, at going in the 12th round. Ivan ranked the highest out of all the Eagles wide receiver at wide receiver 49. 
And again, just kind of trying to project how this wide receiving core finishes isn't fun because Deshaun Jackson has a tendency to get hurt. Alshon Jeffrey is expected to miss some games. And now we have this rookie Rager. What do we do with him? So I have Rager the most uh, just because I do expect him to play all 16. And I believe, think he has the talent to finish the highest of this core. But, but, but we know one thing. And that one thing that we know is that Zach Ertz is still here. And Zach Ertz is pissed off, ready to have a great season. Zach Ertz in 2019 finished at tight end number five in standard and tight end number five in PPR. He had seven games of the tight end one, seven games of the tight end two, and one game as a tight end three. He had 135 targets, a monstrous number, eight or eight. Oh my God, 88 catches, 916 yards, and six touchdowns. When you look at his adjusted score, 11.4 points per game on 15 games played. His new finish is tight end number five. Zach Ertz is utterly incredible. And the issue really was the beginning uh, was the beginning parts of the season uh, where he did have a majority of his games. And let, let's not get this twist, right? The majority of Zach Ertz's games through the first eight weeks were below tight end one. He had his wide receiver, or he had his tight end three game then. He had one, two, three, four, five. He had five of his seven tight end two games during that stretch. So the early part of the season was very bad for Zach Ertz. But let's talk about how he finished, all right? Week nine, wide, or no, I'm just trying to say wide receiver because he plays like a wide receiver. He gets targeted like a wide receiver. Zach Ertz, tight end one, finished number one on the week. Week 11, tight end six. Week 12, tight end two. Week 14, tight end one. Week 15, tight end five. Ertz dominated and balled out during the second half of the season. And I think it's just one of those things where the Eagles just got off to a really rocky start, if I remember correctly, to start the year. The offense wasn't clicking as well as it should have. And they were just losing some weapons left and right. That D-Jack's injury specifically is the one that comes to mind off the top of my head. Like I said, Alshon missed two games early to start the year as well. So they were really just trying to find their footing, but then once they did, it looks like Ertz just really took off and just re-cemented himself as this team's number one option. I have Ertz ranked as tight end four going in the... Or, yeah, I've ranked, I have Ertz ranked as tight end four. His ADP is tight end four. Ertz, consistently good, consistently great. If he starts to fall in drafts and you are getting him in that fifth, sixth round because for whatever reason, uh, people are just tired of him or just letting him slide... I don't like Ertz is going to be great. He always has been. He always will be for now. Um, there is some talk about Dallas Goddard. That's just going to be the one thing I'm going to say here. The reason why I particularly am not big into uh, Zach Ertz, Dallas Goddard, or even to talk about the Minnesota Vikings, uh, Kyle Rudolph, or Ertz Smith Jr., I'm not a whole fan of, uh, of teams running 12 personnel and using two tight end sets. Just to me, that limits the upside of of the tight ends in general, right? They're going to be constantly eating into, eating into each other's value. And so because of that, I do have the tendency to pump the brakes and stay away. But Earth, Earth falls to a comfortable spot. I mean, look, 135 targets is nothing to laugh at. That's nothing to laugh at whatsoever. We know he's going to be a target monster, and that's just naturally going to lead to production on the fantasy football field. But I think that's going to do it. For my Philadelphia Eagles All-32 Fantasy Football Team Preview. Thank you so much for watching. If you enjoyed, be sure to leave a like and subscribe down below. 
We're doing this thing pretty much every single day leading up to the NFL draft or the NFL draft, the NFL season. I got drafts on my mind. I literally have my dynasty draft in three days and I have my other draft September 2nd. Uh, so I'm just, I'm in full draft mode. I'm in full draft mode. We are good. So we are going to be doing this series in particular all the way up until September 1st. And then we're going to get into some other content as well. I want to break some things down such as a way to almost guarantee yourself to make the playoffs. Uh, how you score is more important than how many points you score. And just things like that. Just in different uh, fantasy football philosophies, should I call them. But that's going to be it. Once again, thank you so much for watching. You can shoot me a text, 330-302-1554. And follow me on all social media platforms. And of course, the website is ffvulture.com. I'm going to get out of here. Remember, people come and go. But fantasy championships are forever. I'll talk to you guys later. Peace.